And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I give our updated thoughts on the ongoing James Harden trade rumors. We go over our impressions of the Sixers' brief two-game preseason stint, including the strong play of Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. And then we go on to give preseason predictions for the Sixers' upcoming season. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined once again by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. If you haven't, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat. You can get a discount. I'm not even sure what the discount is. I probably should have looked that up before doing this read. Not even read, before talking about it. Uh, but you can get a discount on a yearly subscription. We get credit for sending you. You get good content, I hope. Uh, win, 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 for sure. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. That was succinct. That was... Uh... <sighs> It was succinct but butchered. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was half hearted as well. I uh <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'll cut that out and I'll just put it in the beginning. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Leave it in there. Leave it in there. Um so we had a week. Uh we had a little bit of a week. What was it, Friday night? Friday? Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night. When the report came out. Uh, I knew what you were talking about right away. I, I knew <laughs> Well, they they did they did play a game too, which was interesting. But no, no, I knew you weren't talking about that. No, we weren't talking about that. Um, played two games. Big. Actually. Well, no, the, the the other game was last Tuesday. No, when did we record last? I don't. I don't fucking. They played two games this week. Yeah, dude. that's true. That's true. Anyway, um, we can talk about Vincent Poirier in a bit, but the reports from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and our own Shams Rania of the Athletic. That the Sixers, there were deals in which the Sixers would include Ben Simmons in a James Harden trade. And real quickly, Daryl Morey reached out to Shams, releasing a, a statement through Shams that this is a fucking disaster. How do I not have this up? Mm. Da, da, da. So he said they're not trading. He's a big part of our future. It wasn't yeah, a very no, long what, what are the exact words? Because they're, I mean, if you're putting their name on it, I should, I should have those words. Shams tweets too much. Come on, bro. Yeah, come on, bro. Stop breaking news. Yeah, seriously. Five minutes. This is terrible. I mean, this is just awful right now. <laughs> it's not that important, man. He said that we're not trading him. He's an important part of our future. No, I'm, look, I, I'm this deep into it. I'm going to get it. Oh, my God. God. Do you want this to start the, the pot over? No, or, no, I think we, want, we, we should leave should this in. know how fucking bad this is. Uh, why? I searched for Maury and I couldn't find it. Okay, here we go. We are not trading Ben Simmons. He's an important part of our future. Yeah, you could have just gone with what you said. Wasted what a whole pay, bunch of pot there. What a payoff. <laughs> anyway, so that then sort of sent everything into a bit of a tizzy. And... It, we're all left trying to figure out what's real, 
who's leaking what, why everyone's saying what they're doing, and whether or not Daryl Morey would actually trade Ben Simmons in a, a package for James Harden. <sighs> I, I wrote about this, so I'll let you start off, and then I'll 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 fill in after that. Do you? I mean, what did you make of the whole situation on Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, whenever he said it? Thursday. He, yeah, I think that we didn't learn a lot. I mean, I, I guess the idea that Ben Simmons would be on the table, even though Daryl denied it, I, I guess you, regardless of who to believe. You, it sort of crystallized in your head a little bit and you started to think, okay, maybe this is real because like, let's, let's be honest here. Adrian Wojnarowski, Shamstrania. It's not like they're, uh, they're uncredible. <laughs> right. And here's what I'll say. I, I wish I had the clip in front of me because I'm apparently a stickler for exact wording, but Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, he went on sports center the next day and he, he doubled down and he said, no, like there are packages that, that, uh, Daryl Morey would would include Ben Simmons in. Uh, the two sides are very far apart. The Sixers want more than just a straight up swap for Ben Simmons, and right now clearly the Rockets are wanting more than just Ben Simmons, so they're not anywhere near. But he he did go back and pretty much reaffirm that yes, what he reported was true, even after Daryl Morey's denial of it. I would say just hanging over all of this, what I want to know and what was not answered the other night, even with Woj's. Sports Center hits and, and shams and, and everything. What I want to know, Ben Simmons for James Harden by itself. That's it. Who's saying no on that? And yeah. the answer to that might be both at this point. Might be both. But that that is what I want to know. I, I guess I would say that, yeah, there was a lot of talk about it. And, you know, Daryl, I, I think what is clear is that did not come from the Sixers, obviously. Oh, clear. Yep. Why? Why would it come from the Sixers? We're willing to trade our star player. You don't. You don't do that. Um, is was it something that maybe Tillman Fertitta and and the Rockets leaked? Because you know Daryl Morey used to work for them, and I don't know how good of terms that they left off. It might, might have been mutual, but there's still some uh, some mystery over all of that. Is your your cat is just? I mean, this is. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. It just keeps popping in and out of the picture. <laughs> and this is the thing. So I've, I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I live in a uh, two bedroom uh, where it's a loft on both sides. So basically the, the neither of the upstairs bedroom slash offices, I cannot get four walls <laughs> uh, surrounding either one. Um, so if I lock her out, she will just go down on the kitchen counter and meow until I, I let her in. And you will hear that meow coming through the podcast. So I sort of have to put up with her uh, being a little bit needy right now in the middle of the podcast. But carry on. Whatever you were saying, I'm not entirely sure. Sure, yeah. Just like the Sixers are going to have to put up with these rumors until James Harden gets traded. I mean, that's that's just the case of what's uh, what's going to happen. I mean, is it is it really this distracting at all times? This is crazy. Like, it, you just, you have a cat just... <laughs> <laughs> all over your shit. <laughs> she gets she gets in these moods where like if you don't pay attention to her, she will just keep going until you do. This has been this has been the least professional <laughs> fifteen minutes of this podcast. We're just saying something because we, we we've had some. We've shitted out a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would just say that we didn't learn a ton, right? Was Daryl Morey saying that we're not going to trade Ben Simmons? 
Does right. that mean no, they're he, not going to trade Ben Simmons? No, I, I, that doesn't. I'm not convinced by that. There is no like any time that. So like you brought up who could have brought it up. Obviously, the Rockets have something to gain from the world believing that the Sixers would trade Ben Simmons. It will get other teams to up their offer. It'll try to move this timeline forward. I think the Rockets would really like for this to be resolved sooner rather than later. The, and, by the way, by the way, the Woj article too did kind of make it seem that way because. You know, like the the other crux of that report was some random teams are willing to throw in more. Right. And they didn't really name who those teams right. were. And look, I mean, hey, James Harden's awesome. It only takes one. But I, I, you can see how Houston would benefit from maybe telling some of these other teams who, you know, maybe they, they are offering more. Hey, the Sixers have Ben Simmons on the table yeah. and you're going to have to beat that. Like we mentioned in the last podcast, like there is a very real like they're not going to get their best other teams, best offers until the trade deadline teams act when they are forced to act. So I think what they were trying to do, if they did leak it, one of the motivations they would have for leaking this is to try to get teams and move their timeline forward. Like, Oh shit, we can't wait. Sixers are offering Ben Simmons. We have to get going. So clearly I think that is something where they would have motivation to do that. I think James Harden's camp would have motivation to do that too, uh, because I don't think James wants to be there for all that long. And he wants to move that timeline forward. And I think, he, he, you know, ever since he came to Houston, he's been a better teammate, a better soldier about it. But like, he, I, I don't think he wants to be there for all that long. He's been a, he's been a bigger soldier about it too. <laughs> Look, can, can I say, by the way, that had to be trick photography because I, I don't one know if he looked real bad. And then the rest looked pretty normal. The, the one of him shooting in the arena the, the day before he looked super skinny. And obviously there was the article that I think Kelly Eco wrote before the bubble where he looked like, I mean, it looked like he went on, you know, just, just went fasting for, for a few weeks there. I don't know. I mean, that was an amazing visual though of him with the warm up. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm prone to plenty bad angles, so I'm not going to. Uh, oh yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I just, it's, it's nice. It's like, uh, us weekly stars, they're, uh, they're just like us, pro- <laughs> professional athletes. They can be just like us, too. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, you know, I think his camp would have interest in moving the timeline forward. And the way you do that is to make it seem like something is more serious, make it seem like these talks are more real. So I don't think the Sixers would have leaked that. But the question then becomes, you know, just because the Sixers clearly didn't leak that, does that mean that it's not true? And that to me is, I think, what everyone is trying to figure out. And I think a lot of people, especially people who don't want it to be true, will read into Daryl's statements. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, well, the Sixers have been very consistent on this point. Well, of course, like if you want to deliver a message, you have to be consistent on that message. The biggest threat to Daryl Moore is not that this deal falls through because it's not close enough right now where it 
would even fall through. It just wouldn't materialize. The biggest threat to Daryl Morey is that this trade never materializes and Ben Simmons is pissed off. That is the one scenario he has to avoid at all costs. So when he says messages like that, when he likes Ben Simmons' tweets, when he retweets, you know, Ben Simmons' triumph emoji, like that is to an audience of one. That is very much, he has to, no matter whether or not he would trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, no matter whether he would need other things, like maybe a third team or P.J. Tucker, and we can get into all that, or whether or not there's no chance he would ever trade Ben Simmons for P.J. Tucker, regardless of where he stands, he Ben Simmons has to believe that he would never trade Ben Simmons. Superstars or stars are untouchable until they're traded. That's just the way it is in the NBA. So the Sixers' denial was completely expected once that report came out. It was the only move they had to them to do. Uh, and then the question, the real difference is that Daryl did it on the record. It wasn't just an anonymous source or team source or something of that sort. He came out, he said it, he put his name behind it. Why would he do that if it wasn't true? Well, okay, first of all, just go back a year. He's done this before. And look, the, there are differences in the Chris Paul situation for sure. There are, there are a some lot differences of differences, there. but it is a little bit of evidence that Daryl doesn't mind lying if he feels like he needs to do it. And look, I don't, I don't begrudge Daryl. Like if, if Daryl lied to me, like if I said, Hey, I heard you guys are signing this. And he said, no. And five minutes later, Woj was reporting it. Would I be pissed off that he lied to me? Yes. But this is part of his job where like, it's his job. Like he has to lie at times. There's just that there's no way around that. So, you know, if you do it on the record, you put your name behind it, it carries more weight. And very crucially, it carries more weight, a little crucially to other teams, but they know performance art when they see it. But very crucially, it carries a lot more weight to your player who, again, like I said, until you get to the point where it's a done deal, you have to be, you have to have him believe it is not a done deal. And again, that doesn't mean that I know that Daryl would trade Simmons for Harden. I don't know that. But it does mean that no matter what his view is, he had to respond that way. And doing it on the record with his name behind it adds a little more weight to it. He'll uh, he'll definitely look bad if they trade Harden for a little bit. I mean, people will point that out. Or yeah, trade, he- sorry, Simmons for Harden. But hey, you know, if Harden wins a championship and they... Uh, they trade Simmons for him. I don't think people are going to care about that no, stuff. So, pe- and it's not will- the way. I- I'll just say this: it's it's not the way um, you can operate. That said, what I was thinking about when I saw him send that tweet was during the Sam Hinkie years. All of the well, you need to treat your players like people and be good to agents, and this isn't just making trades and crunching numbers like. I mean, he did say we're not trading Ben Simmons. And while I don't think that that is like a binding contract and while I don't view it that way, um, and maybe it's something he had to do, it's it's something that's going to get brought up if it happens. For sure. So. For sure. You know, I think when you're in his spot, and again, this is this is all just theoretical. But when you're in his spot, the question becomes, what's the toughest to walk out of or walk back out of? Is it tougher to walk back out of um, you know, your, your star who you now have under roster because the trade that maybe was never close or likely didn't materialize and he's pissed off. That's real hard to come back from. Or do you want to walk back from, oh, well, we weren't going to trade Ben Simmons, but by gosh, they included PJ Tucker and we just couldn't turn it down. Like that's just, it's much easier sell. And oh, by the way, people will forget about it quickly 
Now, not necessarily players, and that's where it would be tough to, you know, they're walking that back would be toughest for future players you would acquire. But you could walk that back with the fans real quickly, uh, and I don't think that would be too much of an issue. So I, got, I, I guess, go ahead. I don't want to completely rule out the scenario either that Tillman Fertitta, Mr. Shut Up and Listen, I'm pointing at you right now. You, uh, you're going to shut up and listen as I submarine your season and make Ben Simmons think he's going to get traded. Because the whole thing hanging over this, regardless of more, if Maury wants to do it, regardless if he does, you know, whatever the Sixers motivations are, they are such natural trade partners that any rumor that gets out into the ether about this, people are going to treat it as credible because it just makes sense. It just makes sense for the Sixers. It would make sense for Houston to build around a young player like Simmons. Obviously, you know, people always bring up like, Oh, Simmons and John Wall, they might not fit together. They're not worried about John Wall. They yeah, just no. want the best player they can get yep. back. And Absolutely. Simmons is that. So, look, <laughs> we, we've probably talked too much about it. There's nothing that happened. Well, no, but like if if the Sixers actually would include Ben Simmons in a deal, that is a that's a pretty big news story. But we don't know. We don't that's know. True. But okay. we don't know the specifics around it either, too. No, we don't. But like, do you think Daryl was like, hey, we'll take PJ Tucker and a bunch of other stuff? And maybe we'll give you better. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think there, there are reasons to believe that he didn't just come out and say like, hey, Ben Simmons, he's actually on the table. Like, I think having a theoretical discussion about something is diff- is different than putting somebody on the table. So, and, I, you know, I'm not saying that wasn't the case here. It's just, it, how many reports have you seen where a player is on the table? Like, did, did Woj and Shams really report that that much? I mean, he didn't really say, they didn't really say it, phrase it that way. They said that the Sixers have shown a willingness to include Ben Simmons. That's different than being on the table, really. Like, if there are deals out there that the Sixers, <laughs> on the table is like like a bidding war. Like, okay. if, if the Sixers are targeting something specific, I think it's different. Okay, the, okay. Table. so what I'm saying then is a willingness to trade somebody, that could beat anything. But again, it's, it's pretty I would have a willingness to trade Joel Embiid too then. But here, okay, here, here's... If I get LeBron or AD well, or, No, but see, but that, that's different because with those kind of players, there's like, if you were to compile a list of players, there's only like five or 10 of them in the world. And those five or 10 don't become available almost ever. And that's why this is unique. So if the Sixers are actually willing to trade, I mean, they, they, they specifically said willing to include Ben Simmons in, in packages for James Harden. Like the fact that there is one of those five to 10 players who is available... And now there's a report that Sixers are willing to entertain it. Like, I, I think that is actually pretty significant. And look, I, I guess here, here's here's sort of like where I... Will, I just don't I, think that's a difference. To me, that's on the table. I'm sorry. I, th- I think that means, Ben, we are willing to move you. And I think for a lot of superstars, they're they're not... Like James Harden, Houston would not be willing to move him if he didn't want to go. But, but that's because James Harden's a top three to five player, not a top 20 player. I don't know, man. I think, I think for... For the top 20 player who's 24 years old, I don't think that makes a difference to him. No, but like the, the fact that we are at the point, like you don't hear randomly that a top 20 player is on the table. Like it has to be specific. And this is one instance where one of those top five to seven players became available and it makes sense. And for that report to come out, I do think that is is pretty significant. And I guess, so like, let's wrap this up. I'm going to tea leave a little bit. And this is mostly tea leave reading. My guess would be that 
Houston is like, look, we want Simmons, a young player, a couple picks. And the Sixers are like, that's fucking batshit crazy. And the Sixers are like, but if we're going to trade Ben Simmons, we need more veterans. We need P.J. Tucker. We need a third team because we're selling out so we can win the next two years. We need to construct something where we would increase our chances to win in these next two, next two years. And that is a pretty wide gap to bridge. And the Sixers, again, this is just a guess, but my guess would be the Sixers would be like, we want to wait until the trade deadline. We, we do legitimately want to see our team. We want to see who else can get involved. We want to see what other pieces we can get to compete for a title this year. We, we're, we're not going to give you shake and two picks. Like That's just not going to happen. And neither team is really budging. So the Rockets come out. They leak this report, put a little pressure on all the parties involved. And we're at this point. And does that change anything? I don't know. But that is, if I had to say, like, how what makes sense for why everyone is acting the way that they are? That is my best read on the situation. And does that mean that the, six, that, that the Sixers will trade Ben Simmons? Or Woody for straight up for James Harden? I don't know. I'm, this is all tea leaf reading. But if I had to explain why everyone is acting the way that they are, that explains where the reports came from, why Woj came back the next day on SportsCenter and reiterated that, yes, they would, why they all admitted there is still a significant gap between the two teams, why the Rockets would leak something to try to push the Sixers and and move the talks forward, why Daryl Morey would react the way that he was. Like, that to me is just the most likely scenario. And again, does that mean that a trade comes to fruition? I have no idea. I have no idea. But that is my, if I had to tea leave read, I think that is where I would, uh, where I would fall. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of arguing about PJ Tucker and a couple, couple picks and shit. Well, Shake Milton's the best player in the league. So I, I guess you would want to, you would want to hang over that. <laughs> well, I think so. from the Sixers perspective too, it's just like you would want to wait until the, uh, until closer to the deadline um, for a million reasons. See your team have their ridiculous asking price come down. Like it just, it, it feels more natural to happen then. And also then you're a half year less that you have to worry about him beating hard and blowing up. All, All right. right. We I disagree. Okay. I think, I think we're done with that one. Thank God. Way too long. Way too long. I, I thought that was going to be 10 minutes. Um, preseason. 2-0 preseason stint, which means that the Sixers will go 365 days without losing at the Wells Fargo Center. My favorite stat of 2020, because quite frankly, all the other ones suck. Uh, general takeaways. What were your impressions of, of Doc, of the players, of the new guys, of, of how people performed? Um, general impressions of a two-game preseason stint that barely even feels like we started playing. Yeah, t- 2-0. The uh, the impossible dream lives on the the undefeated preseason. I uh, I guess I'd say the thing that has to excite you the most about the preseason, and when I say that I, I mean like an unexpected surprise that excites you. Having Embiid and Simmons on your team should excite you the most, but stuff you didn't know about before. Um, the bench I would say excites you the most, and, and within that bench, you have Tyrese Maxey looking like he might be able to play on a team's rotation that uh, that actually wants to win games, which is pretty rare for a rookie. And then you have Shake Milton, who, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go too far here, but he looks like he could be one of the better bench players in the league with the way he's playing and, I mean, just continuing the trajectory from, from last year, I guess. Or, are we at the point where saying it's Shake Milton means 
it's a pretty solid basketball player. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not pulling that line out anymore. Uh, but you could just remix it to just mean like <laughs> Chick Milton, like that's you know like a microwave scorer off the bench. I I mean that dude is such a good shooter, and for the Sixers, which is important, he is a versatile shooter. When he took the two for uh, for one three, I think it was at the end of the the Boston third quarter of the Boston game. Yeah, I mean that was like Lou Williams, man, just yeah. going to his left. That was that was smooth as hell, and you know obviously the the foot speed is going to be a limiting factor for him, and that's gonna you know that's going to stop him from being like an all star level player. But I mean everything else looks pretty good, you know, good ball handler, put on a little muscle. What'd you call him? Shake weight with uh. Protein shake Milton. Protein shake Milton. And he's just a super skilled basketball player, um, both off the dribble and with his shot. So basically, you know, as long as uh, TJ McConnell isn't guarding him, he's seems like he's pretty good. Well, and, and, he, and he started figuring out TJ towards the end of that game, too. He had a, he had some success there, for sure. He did. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's, it's hard, like, I'm almost at the point where I take him for granted. Which you shouldn't do. It's his third year in the league. He's still, what, 24? Four, something in that range, uh, and 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 improving, and like it's it's just gotten to the point real quickly in the seeming blink of an eye. Like it was nine months ago when it's it was like calm down, it's Shake Milton, and all of a sudden now it's like you just you expect him to make that shot, you expect him to be under control, you expect him to make largely the right decisions. He has been, I mean, for a team that is so desperate for his skill set and so desperate for, I mean he's got two more years left on his contract at like one point, whatever million, like he makes nothing. And for the Sixers to get a perimeter shot creator, a scorer, a shooter. And like you said, off the, like off the dribble, off of screens, catch and shoot. Obviously he's just, he's a very versatile player and the Sixers really need that. I do think he's going to end up starting at some point this season. Maybe not like, cause maybe doc just says, look, Seth Curry is such a good fit. He's what the Sixers need alongside. You need more ball handling in that second unit, which Doc likes to go to completely, uh, and we can get into that later. But maybe, maybe skill set wise, you just say Seth is such a good shooter that we're going to keep him out there. But I could certainly see uh, see, see Milton starting and, and being deserving of that. Like he has he has pro- proven and improved so much in such a short time. That uh, there's outside outside of athleticism, there's just not that many questions that he has left to answer. It's it's been really remarkable watching him establish himself that way. Um, and when you combine that with Maxi, all of a sudden, like you blink and they have a a pretty end look. You I, if we were doing podcasts back in the you know Willie Green era, there probably would have been a moment probably only a couple weeks. I think Willie Green showed who he was pretty quickly, but there probably would have been a moment where some Sixers podcasters were talking about Willie Green and his creativity off the dribble and something like that. You always want to be a little cautious going too quickly, but I think these are two legit pieces. I think Maxi has shown way more. And again, it's hard, especially that first game. He came in the fourth quarter, not a whole lot of, of, of real rotation players in there, but uh, they've, I mean, they've certainly had a lot of success in the draft of late and, it is, I mean, Shake's just fun to watch. He's just, like, on a team that is so, it, it felt like everything was pulling teeth last year. He is a real revelation. He really is. Yeah, and I would say it's probably even more likely that he closes games. Like, I, I kind of, if they're going to roll with this bench, the, the, the all-five reserve unit, 
I would want him on that group probably yeah. more than Seth, just because you need that creation. As crazy as it sounds, like his creation has become such a huge plus. And you know, if you're going to run pick and rolls with with Dwight and have Mike Scott on the weak side, I think I'd rather have Shake than Seth there, and hope uh, hope Seth figures it out with Embiid a little bit. But you know, as far as like the end of the game comes, and you're just trying to get your five best players, could Shake be one of those guys? Again, two games. Don't want to go too nuts here, but maybe. <laughs> like no, but it's two games which followed up a playoff run, which followed up a bubble, which his, followed up March. His calendar year has been outside of one game against Indiana at the beginning of the bubble, where he just lost his mind for some reason. Lights out. I I, I don't think I've ever seen a player kind of go from almost nothing to. I, I mean. If he keeps playing like this, like this is like six man of the year shit he's he's doing right now. The uh the step back jumper he had the other yeah. night. Yep. And even with his athleticism, he finds ways, you know, both with his skill level and his smarts, but he's also super long. Like yep. he's got those left handed layups where he just unfurls <laughs> his arms and makes those I he has looked really damn good and, and really smooth. Um yeah, and like you were saying about Maxi, the uh the foot speed, that's not a problem for him. You know, I think sometimes you see see these college guards that are quick. And I feel like this happens a lot at Kentucky because Calipari recruits these big guys who uh who don't shoot threes either. And even if even if they do shoot threes, it's Carl Anthony Towns, get your butt on the on the block. These quick guards, they get in the NBA, they just need spacing to unclog the paint and I don't know from what you've seen, like, you know, just the, the, the basic NBA play, a pick and roll against drop coverage. He looks, he looks really good. That, uh, that floater, you know, yep. the guys on the bench are already making fun of him with it. Just raising their hands to the sky and in celebration, mimicking it. That is a, that's not a skill that you would see from a young guy all that much. That's something that you would see players develop as they go throughout their, uh, their careers, but that thing is a major weapon. You know, you, you can't build a career off that shot alone. If not, Quincy Doobie, he'd still be playing <laughs> in the NBA. But it's an important thing to have in the toolbox with the way NBA defenses like to drop their bigs. And Maxie said this just the uh the other day. His uh his in between game compared to uh I don't know, Matisse Thibels, um, who doesn't have an in between game, it's uh it's quite a contrast, I'd say. It is, and it's interesting you bring him up because Matisse would be the one that he would bump from the rotation, from at least ten man rotation, if uh, he continues playing like this. And quite frankly, at let's this say, point, let, let, let's say right away. Just I know what you're about to say. Prediction: Do you think he's gonna be ahead of him in the rotation Wednesday night? Game one. Yep. I do yep. too. Okay, yep. go ahead. You're about to say he deserves to be, but I agree with that too. In part because they need his skill set with that group a little bit more, but in part because. He's looked good, and he, he looks more ready to com- to play at an NBA level than Matisse does right now. And Matisse has always kind of been like, when he looks good, he looks real good. And when he doesn't, he doesn't. And when the gambling works, it looks great. And when it doesn't, you know, he can be out of position, and then you throw in the offense. I mean, what is, you know, what is Matisse averaging so far in the preseason? Like, he's averaging like... I don't think he took a shot the other night. Yeah, one That's point. Like a, he scored one point in two games. That's a Mark Titus. No, two points to two games. Club trillion thing he's got going on right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, he has looked. Uh, he's looked tentative at times defensively, and then other times it looks like he's out of control. He just does not look like he is. I don't know if it's, if it's a new system. 
I don't know if it's just the NBA figuring him out a little bit. I don't know if it's just nerves and early times, and I don't know. But he does not look good out there. The Sixers need another ball handler on that second unit. And they need somebody who can get to the rack. And Maxie, you know, he he made the pull-up jumper that he took, which was nice to see. You, we need to see a whole lot more. Like at some point when defense, when other teams actually start game planning for him instead of just throwing guys out there in a preseason game, it'll probably get tougher. But he has, he's, he's, and again, when you're comparing him to the rest of the Sixers, he looks even quicker. But like he, he's real quick to his spots. He has such good body control around the rim. And like he hasn't really made a whole lot of mistakes either, which for a rookie has been really impressive. He has made the right passes. I wouldn't say he's really made too many super creative passes, but he's made the right passes. But if you're if you're super quick and you're creating those passing lanes, you don't have to have superb vision. Yeah, the reads don't have to be super hard. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he I mean he's been he's been real good. It, it's fun watching him play. It's fun dreaming about what he could become. You do have to remind yourself it's only two games. Uh but it is I mean the the, the quickness, the ball handling, the body control, that should stay. It's just can he, you know, what happens when teams take away his strengths? And that's where the jump shot's going to come in. You hope over time that gets better and becomes a more consistent weapon. But he, uh, yeah, he should be in the rotation day one. I think it's pretty easy. And I think a lot of the excitement, and you see this a lot on Twitter from from fans, is just, man, we have not had a guy in a long time who could do this. It, it seems pretty basic, a guy who can, uh, you know, he had a play the other night uh, in the first game against Boston, where I think it was Tremont Waters was trying to ice him on a side pick and roll, and he found a way to make a nice spin move and put that dude on his back and put him in jail. And it was fairly effortless. There are a decent amount of players in the league who can do that, but the Sixers have not Never. had any of them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so to just see kind of a basic move like that, forget the... I think it ended up being a floater, but forget that. Even just creating that opportunity it's it's rare and you know i just think back to the playoff series against boston last season uh when they were just trying to post up Embiid at all times and shake was literally the number two option on the team everything was like pulling teeth and that's not to say maxi won't struggle in the regular season he'll definitely struggle against better playoff defenses but even the potential of quick easy offense like that is I mean, it's sorely needed around here, you know, and it's it's a good thing. Uh, on Thibel, it's been two games, just like uh, the other guys doing well. Don't want to put too much yep. into him being straight up bad. That said, I agree with you. There are some real concerns. You know, did he get any better over well, the offseason? Yeah. And like part of the concern is that it's real tough to put him in lineups with Danny Green anyway. So if yeah. Danny Green's playing 30 night, there's just not that big of a role for Matisse. Anyway, so he has a little less margin for error. <sighs> Look, he is he's very dependent on his jump shot going in. He hasn't really even taken all that many yet. And it's, like you said, it's early days. But it is not promising. It is not promising. And look, I still I still like Matisse as a prospect. But if you're talking about who they they who is more ready and who, quite frankly, they need more right now, it's just, it's Maxi. And from what I've seen, this Doc Rivers continuity, I don't even know what you want to call it, their their base offense when they're not calling a specific set play. It's uh it's pretty egalitarian. They're spreading yep. the ball around a little bit, but here's the thing, it's it's equal. Yep. But all of these guys need to be able to do the dribble handoff then. 
All of these guys need... Wait, you mean the dribble handout didn't go away with Brett? No, I don't think it did. <laughs> um... Well, the turnovers didn't go away with Brady. <laughs> it was. I think. I think it was you who had that that tweet. It was like, "Welcome to Philadelphia, Doc. Yeah. This is what we do." Lord have mercy, he said. Which, uh, I mean, that was some some good dark humor. Was it twenty six? Yeah, twenty six turnovers. And they weren't even like like good turnovers. Like no. sometimes the Sixers would have turnovers in previous years, where it's like they were trying to pass too much or trying to, you know, legitimately that was part of their game where they would take a, some risks, but it would lead to good shots. These were these were bad turnovers. Were bad this was turnovers. this was the Family Guy barfing all over yes. himself scene. Yep. That's what it was. But but so so Doc's offense though the, the dribble handoffs the pick and rolls the cutting, you know I think Tobias Harris even said it. There's really only one set position in this offense. The other four guys you kind of seems like a two guard front two wings type of thing. Really the only set position is the center plays at the elbow. Well, good thing they have four of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, again, we're not trying to have too much of a culture shock here. And <laughs> I was, I was a little surprised by that, by the way. Yeah. Like I think on the one I, hand, what's Anderson like? is not the, the greatest player in the world. I get it. His, his middle game, honestly, the only shot I want him taking is a layup or a, a catch and shoot three. I mean, and even the catch and shoot three, it better be late clock. Yeah. But it, it just feels like I'd rather play him in a pinch than. Vinny, Vinny, I think Jared, Jared Weiss used to call him Vinny Sex Pants uh, was, was his <laughs> nickname. I think, I don't know if that's a weird Celtics Twitter type thing, but whatever. I, yeah, I, I feel like they're pretty set with Tony Bradley and Dwight. I don't know. It, it does make me wonder, you know, first of all, he's got like what, two and a half mil guaranteed salary. Yep. I wonder if they want to try to trade that. So they're not paying that in luxury tax. Cause that two and a half becomes six or seven real quickly. I wonder if, they want to try to use that at the deadline to include in a trade. Just a little Could more be. salary they can add. And I wonder if part of it, quite frankly, isn't that like the league doesn't really like when you acquire a player just to trade him, just ag- aggregate him another trade that you already know is going to happen. So like the fact that he was needed so that OKC could make that trade as an over the cap team and not renounce that cap hold or the Steven Adams. Um, trade exception. Maybe Daryl's doing him a solid and being like, no, we actually really like this guy. And to prove it, we're going to give him a roster spot. I don't know. I, it, it, it is. I mean, they don't need four centers, especially because none of them can play together. Like there's not, a, you can't pair any two of them. That would make any goddamn sense. So it is interesting. Like Vincent Poirier is not exactly a young player anyway. He's older than Tony Bradley. No, it, it, it is a, it is a head scratcher. Those are the three reasons I can think of, uh, why it came out this way. And, and also, like Justin just Anderson's not a good player. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, and I don't think Poirier is a bad... Like, I think Poirier is for a 15th man or, or whatever you want to make him. The, he's probably a better... He's, he's definitely. He's definitely a better player than like Isaiah Joe at this point, but whatever, like a back roster player. He's, he seems like he's fine. It just, the the log jam, the log jam of centers is just, you know, I I feel like we've been there before and, and been scarred by four guys who can't play. Luckily for them. And that's part of the other good. Two that can play. They look like the, (laughs) I'm not quite ready to go to Dwight Howard as the best backup center that guy. I think Horphy was pretty useful. Well, but, yeah. When you're talking about the bang for the buck, it's not even close. I, I right. completely agree with that. And Dwight looks... And Horphy was a starting power forward who just happened to play backup. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And Dwight looks good. He looks... I mean, I love everything I'm hearing from him, which I was not expecting to say that. Well, but he hasn't started talking about ma- masks or vaccines yet. I think he could that's, that's a fair. then. That's a fair point. Let's let's stick to basketball-wise, clubhouse-wise, he seems like he has... And honestly, he seems like he is more accepting of his role has some real insight to share to his teammates. Like in that respect, he has certainly been way more than I would have expected. A hundred percent. It's a weird thing, right? You know, when you've, you, you have a lot of reason for skepticism. And if, if you were to ask me about Dwight two years ago, I would be like, no way. Well, Dwight two years ago probably isn't accepting of this role. No. Um, you had to be humbled a bit and uh, aged a bit, quite frankly. He looks great. I mean, he just looks really super active and, you know, again, if they're going to play this all five-person bench unit, we were worried about how he would look with Simmons. Now, I'm not sure this rotation is going to stick for the regular season. You know, they'll, they'll extend Simmons and Embiid's minutes, obviously. No, but if, if you go back and you look at the Clippers, like, they very consistently, one of their top three to five lineups was always an all-bench unit. It was always. And a lot of times, those lineups got destroyed, and I'm writing about that for an article soon. But it does seem like he wants that bench unit that plays together consistently. And then by contrast, that keeps the starters as a, a, a group longer. So we'll see. So if you do that and you you at least have, you know, Matisse, I mean, if, if you're going to play Maxi, Shake, Corky, as, as Dwight called him, and Mike Scott, it's pretty good shooting around him, right? You've, that's, that's three shooters and a guy we'll see if he can shoot. But that dude can handle, too, and run pick and roll with you. So I think uh, Mike Scott, you know, has one – one game, but you know, he's making some threes. So good for him. Um, yeah. And I just, to, to get back to Thibel, when you look at the, the pick and roll and the dribble handoff and stuff, I mean, I'd rather have shake doing all of that, obviously. 
I'd rather have Maxi doing all of that stuff. Obviously, I'd I'd rather have Corkmaz doing that stuff. I mean, yeah. he's better at it. He's looked okay at times. Like he's got a little bit off the bounce he can do. When Matisse gets going downhill, I just don't have a good feeling about how it ends. No. And that's, I mean, that is like a legitimate problem that has nothing to do with the, his role on this team. He needs to figure out how to way to, a way to be a more impactful offensive player. And to me, the more realistic scenario is that he just becomes a lights out catch and shoot guy. But he's pretty far away from that. He's pretty I would far say. away from that, yeah. He, when, you know, when he came out of Washington, I said, because he, he shot like 30% in his senior year, I think, something like that. And I said, you know what? I don't think he's going to be a non-shooter, but there's a wide ass fucking gap between non-shooter and lights out. And he really needs to get close to that Danny Green level to, uh, cause he, I mean, he, he really does pretty much nothing else in a half court offense. Like every now and then he might make a cut off the ball every now and then there might be enough room where he can attack a closeout. But those are pretty rare occurrences at this point. If you're just a cutter, you can't make a living off of that. Yeah, so it's it's been a rough preseason for him. Haven't really loved what, uh, well, I guess Tobias was okay in the first game. He was mm. uh, He's shit. definitely had a, a, a disappointing preseason for sure. In the second game. I mean, it's funny because if you, if you just look at his numbers, his numbers are okay. You know what the amazing thing about Tobias is? He's shooting 56% from the field and still barely has more points than field goal attempts. He's gotten to the line once. Uh, nope, twice. Two total times he's gotten to the line. Uh, he's made one three over two games and has more turnovers than assists. I'm a he, little... I'm a little less worried about his stats, though. Like... I, it's no, just like but, how yeah. he looks, right? I mean, he's built up enough of a track record. Because I'm going to say Simmons was disappointing in two games, too. Um, But, like, his I, the thing I was looking for were the quick decisions that, that Doc Rivers, that's basically all he did was talk about that. I didn't see any quick decisions. I saw no. indec- indecisive, some really terrible passes. And some of that might be, hey, he has not played with Seth Curry or Danny Green. That might get better in the uh, in the future, but yeah, I, I haven't haven't loved uh, what I've seen from him on that you know, on offense, and you know we'll see. It's again, it's preseason; it's only a couple games. Yeah, no. The, the only reason I would be nervous about his stats is because his, his his the way they've come about are just who Tobias is, and like you said, Doc has spent all preseason talking about quick decisions. You're not really gonna make Tobias a quick decision maker. That's not his game. You might be able to limit the number of decisions he has to make or the amount of decision making he's entrusted with, but like he's not going to all of a sudden turn into a quick decision maker. That's just not who he really is. And he certainly hasn't been here. You know, the, his decision making in the preseason has been very, very frustrating. Um, look, two games, veteran. He'll, he'll revert back to who he was. My concern is that he reverts back to who, like, I mean, <laughs> to who he was. We spent Which is all, not good enough. All fall talking about how, like, I I don't buy into Doc being the D- Tobias Whisperer, and if you fell into that camp, then certainly these two games haven't uh, haven't swayed you from that. Yeah, he. Uh, there was a segment in that Indiana game when they went 
small with Ben Simmons at center. And Doc admitted that they hadn't practiced it at all. And I got to say, it, it looked like it because they, they were not good during that stretch of the game. And the worst part about it was that Demonis Sabonis was guarding Tobias Harris. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, I don't think that was entirely Tobias's fault. Like somebody has to give him the ball and maybe like Doc, like, I, I don't know, maybe he was taking notes on the bench, but you would hope in a regular game he would like, you know, stand up, maybe clap his clap his feet or uh, clap his hands, stomp his feet, and say, "Hey, maybe we should get Tobias the ball." You know, like, pull the tibs, get, run out the half court, like start yelling at your teammates. Yeah, get him to go one on one. I would hope in a regular. He was like, "Well, look, we fixed that. the uh, The offensive part of that was not very good. Um, no, it was not very good. But again, preseason game. I I will say those Simmons at center lineups. Not a fan." No, and they've never really worked. And we, I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, if you're if it was going to work, you need three or four other like switchable defenders to overcome the fact that you don't have a rim protector at all. They play him as a rim protector. Like he's you know he's not in super drop coverage, but he's he's yeah. basically playing like a, a normal pick and roll defender, a uh, center defender. That's yeah. that's not going to work. He's not. And by the way, terrible use of his skill set too. He can do it literally anything else on defense, and he's. Pretty good. He's good to great at that. He's not good at that. I mean, it's nope. wasn't good so, at LSU. Certainly isn't good now. Um, that's what I mean. They put him in the middle of the zone at LSU. He was oh, bad at that too. Well, we we killed his defense. Yeah. To be <sighs> fair, it was bad back then. But part of that was was the zone. Um, I didn't like all his posting up in the first game. Too, oh God, <laughs> that was uh, that that one. I I honestly forgot about that a little bit because the second game happened and I can't remember more than two days ago. No, it was, I mean, th- that's something where you've got, I, like, I think Doc is probably looking at like, all right, 6'10", elite passer, don't. He's just not a good enough scorer. Like, they're not going to send double teams. You're wasting possessions doing that. Well, you're the one who said that Maury was, like, telling Embiid to take a step out of the, uh, yeah. outside of the, the arc on one of those mid-range jumpers, which is funny. I mean, it's it's a very funny setup they have now at the Wells Fargo Center where, the only people that are in the arena are obviously the, the two teams, the players and the staff, the media. We have awesome seats now after years of having what is a good seat for like a fan, you know, being close to the action, but also a terrible seat for tracking the action. That's yeah. changed. We have an awesome seat now to give us tables kind of mid-court to to the baseline. So that's awesome. Now we went from being able to not see 30% of the court to like dead center yeah. Uh, seats. It's perfect. Yeah. And yeah, one good thing about this year. And, you know, that, you on know a, a number, a second good thing, but yeah, that, that is the one. Yep. Yeah. You know, and then there are like some ushers there and, and some, you know, the hype they have, squad. They, they do have the hype squad there. It's a little weird, but maybe they're sitting, that's there, they're sitting there saying to make some noise and it's like only the players and media sitting there. Like what? To be fair, that could be a bigger advantage this year though. Like, you know, if you, you have the guy who who's making noise the last second and otherwise, Empty gym when yeah. somebody else is Catch shooting free throws, that, that might that might work. Um, so it's just them, and then the only other people are the front office and the owners were sitting by themselves courtside. I think it was it was a Blitzer, Harris, and, and Ruben were, were, were all there. But yeah, it, it's funny, there. you know, they're they're sitting kind of Elton, Daryl, and Peter Dinwiddie, and a, a lot of the the front office people. You, you could they're they're literally sitting right in front of us. So if they have any 
mannerisms or, or they make any noticeable reactions during the game, we can see them. They're, they're sitting yeah. right in front of us. And what and you reference, like Embiid took like two mid-range jumpers, like 17 footers pretty early in that first preseason game. And after the second one, like, I mean, Daryl Moore pretty clearly, like he went like this and started like dragging his, his hand back a couple times. And it was like, to me, it was pretty clearly he was saying like Embiid, he wants Embiid to take a couple steps out. Or just complaining that he didn't take a couple steps out or like jokingly complaining. I don't want to make it sound like this is some big controversy. But he, he was talking to Elton Brand when he did it. And I think a lot of people took that as me like saying he was teaching Elton Brand about expected. Like, no, I'm just saying he was complaining about Joel Embiid. So I, had, I ended up having to delete the tweet because I think a lot of people read it as like some kind of condemnation of Elton Brand's previous rosters. No, I'm just making a joke about no, Embiid that- taking... Uh, honestly, I'm just making a joke about Daryl's hatred of the mid-range game. But yeah, yeah. No, Elton knows that the three is worth more than two. He's, he, he has figured. He that, said I'm to sure. us on occasion that he uh, he would drag his uh, his game out to the the NBA three point line if uh, he was in the modern environment. And I don't doubt it. He had good touch. Um, but you, you would think though, like with, with Daryl having that the, the wheels going through his head about Embiid taking a step back beyond the three point line. I think eventually there might be a, a report that lands on Doc's desk or a conversation. Hey, we, we got to try and get Ben to stop doing that. Because He's averaging 0.82 points per possession. Please stop. Yeah, Because it sucks. Um, yeah. So I didn't like that. And I did like that he shot a three in the second game. Yeah. And, and he pumped Did you see the, the pump fake? One. Yeah. Holy shit. I forget who was defending him, but he bit on it. He actually closed out on him. Oh, depot. Yeah. Oh. It, I mean, it, it looked good. Like he had the ball, like in a shooting pocket, like a, a normal shot. And he, you know, he takes an above the break three effort. And again, I, I wrote in my piece the next day. All right. This is a developing story unless it isn't, you know, obviously yeah. like we're not going to go any farther than that, but I guess we'll see. And that's, that's basically preseason. It was, uh, we'll see. It was a lot of stuff, some good, some bad. And does it matter? I don't know. We have basketball back. Maxis look good. Shakes look good. The rest we'll see. It's pretty much where we're at. All right, let's take uh let's take that very little bit of information and make a couple of predictions now. So I guess we'll start off because we're already almost an hour into this because we wasted around for thirty minutes at the beginning yelling at my cat. We'll start off with just a couple of random predictions, one each from each of us, and then we'll go towards how we think the season will play out. So, Rich, what is your random prediction? Well, we already kind of touched on my my random prediction, and that is I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be in the rotation the entire year. Yeah. Now, maybe th- there are times when he's missing jumpers, and he, he when you noticed he took his three against Indiana, of course that was behind the line like all of his threes at Kentucky, which, you know, in the NBA – in order to not get that blocked and take a step back, that's like a 28 footer. You know, I, yeah. I would, I would hope he can, uh, he can figure that out. But like we said, the, the off the bounce element and the, uh, yeah, I mean the off the bounce element and just a nice touch from the mid range and the ability to get to the basket. I think he's going to be, you know, either the 10th man or maybe even a little better than that. I could see him moving ahead of Cork Moss if, if things go well, by by the end of the season, he seems like he. I I, I don't want to like go nuts about his maturity, but it seems like this isn't really phasing him at this point yet. I, uh, I I like his chances, and I guess the other the other part of that is 
which we also have touched on is a little worried about what type of year Matisse is going to have. Yeah. Well, that was, that was my follow-up. My, my prediction is that I think fans will panic about Matisse and, and probably a little bit undeservedly. So, because I think at the end of the day, he is still an intriguing defensive player who's young and will, can fill a role in the NBA. And we're talking about a 21st pick. That's a real good outcome. That shot needs to be consistent. I don't think it's going to be yet. And the dribbling needs to be less adventurous. And I don't think we're going to see that this year either. I still think he has a base that you can be excited about, but I think he's going to be in and out of the rotation this year. I think fans aren't going to see as much progress as they want. And I think there's going to be some real legitimate concern about what you thought was not a blue chip prospect. Like I don't think anybody really thought that about him at that time, but a real bankable part of your rotation. I think fans will question. And I think if I'm being completely honest, I think he will, I think fans will probably panic a little bit too much because there's always a pendulum. Like when they come out, we go, Oh man, look at what he can do. And then the second year we go, Holy shit, look at what he can't do. And then eventually that all sort of like evens out. And I think at some point I do think he's going to be a rotation player. I don't know if that'll be a starter in future years, but I think his defense is unique enough. And the shot, I think it'll take some time, but I think the shot will eventually get to the point where he will be playable. But I think this could be a scary year. He's too good of a guy. That's his problem. I mean, people, like him as a person and I mean to be fair like his style of play is fun when yeah. when he's got it all dialed up on the defensive end so yeah that could be a tough year I, I will make an addendum to that too if they do swing a hardened trade nice sneeze by the way that did not get picked up hit by the, the mute mic. button nice mute work button. nice work your technical proficiency there <laughs> if there is a hardened trade we won't be releasing that part that clip of that we don't we don't no no if there is a hardened trade and the the format is Simmons, young player X, and picks. There's a chance. I would say that the young player, the compromise, very likely could be Matisse. There's a chance. I mean, the Shake is he's he's like you do not want to give up Shake, especially if, if you're more so much of Simmons. In the, in terms of age difference between Simmons and Harden, like you you want Shake to stick around. If it's Simmons, Matisse, pick at maybe one one first round pick for. Harden, Harden and, and Tucker, a, maybe, or something. Yeah, or Harden and a veteran if it needs to become a three-team deal. That is, if I had to make a prediction of where that goes, that to me is is the eventual compromise. And then it comes down to whether the Sixers would be willing to do that and whether or not the uh, another team can beat that. But We yeah. have months or maybe days. I don't know. Maybe who days. Knows. Maybe hours. Yeah, um, who knows? That'd be a good conversation. Dar- Daryl Morey, liar. That, that'll be the... I will one. say, like, if we're going to read into him going on the record, I do think it makes it unlikely it happens in the next couple of days. Because that's when it's like, all right, Daryl, what the fuck are you doing? Like, seriously, like, you can't. But if it goes a couple months, maybe the team doesn't look as good as you hoped. You could say you lost confidence and beat Simmons as a pairing. Or just, holy shit, James Harden's still really good at basketball. Who knew? But I think it's easier to make that comment after three months than it is after a week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if, I mean, if if they came, like I, we spent way too we spent long. way too much time yeah. going going through all the permutations there. All right, let's uh, go ahead. So yeah, those are those are the player ones. No wait, yeah, you, you give me a player one. You you kind of piggyback and not count. No, okay, I guess it counts. It counts. We we gotta save something for the article. We're we're writing an article on ten predictions. It can't give all ten away. That's that's true. We we just gave away two, and we're yeah. about to give away two more too. I think yeah. or roughly two more. Uh, two more. 
so let's go to regular season record. Now, we're not smart enough to convert this to a 72-game season. I did. So, okay, okay. What, uh, what, you're not, prepared. You're not math, prepared enough to do that. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to hit the mute button, and I'm going to start banging away on my calculator. Um, what do you think their regular season rotation will be? Regular season rotation. Regular season record. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I think they're going to have 45 wins, which is the equivalent of, I believe it's like 50. Yeah. 50 or or 51. Um, And I think the over under Vegas has is 45 and a half. I came to that before Vegas even came out with that number. Uh, Yeah. 45 wins. I wonder if they're going to get out of the gates a little bit slow. Yeah. Just like looking at that starting lineup, you can see there are some kinks like Curry and Green. I will have, say they have a really easy start to the season. Though. They do. Their schedule is favorable. Yeah, they do. If they come out and they're losing the Clevelands of the world, then we're uh, you'll you'll see some quick panic. That's a good point. But no, you're right. Like they're set up where it should take them some time to so maybe, learn Doc, learn each other, get on the same page for sure. So maybe the way this this ends up working out is you're right. They do have an easy schedule. And maybe they don't look so hot at the beginning of the season, but they still win games because they're playing these crap teams. Yeah, that'll catch up to them in the middle of the season when they when they start to play, you know, tougher teams. I, I believe I haven't looked at the schedule since it came out. It, you know, it's only half of it's come out, but I know there's there's Miami and Boston in the middle of January. I would say. Well, they they've both got like back to backs. Like two yeah. games against them, not even back to backs. Uh, I think there was a day in between, and they don't two. travel. It's a really weird schedule, but they have like those mini playoff series. Yeah, uh, yeah, they have a two game homestand against Boston on on national TV in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, forty five wins. I, I think they're going to be pretty damn good, you know. And, and the the thing with the East is that they have a lot of teams that I'm not sure are going to be elite, but they're going to be pretty good. Like, okay, maybe they're not on the Lakers or Clippers level. But they can be below that. And, you know, these playoffs, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. But I would just say, like, in the regular season, there's going to be a lot of teams hanging around those numbers. And, you know, I think that's especially the case with Boston. To me, they look like they're going to start off slow. Toronto, I could see them taking a step back with their moves. But then you have, you know, you have teams like Brooklyn and Miami that are probably going to get a little bit better. You know, Milwaukee, I would still say they're going to be the number one team. But but they might take a step back. They lost a little bit of depth. I like the Sixers team. It's going to make more sense on paper. And even last year, I think they were on 48 win pace by the end of the year. And even that, like they were on a 48 win pace. They probably would have done better if the season didn't stop because their schedule was super easy and super home um, heavy at the end of the the season. So as, as, as crappy as that was, like they won, they would have basically won 50 games. I don't really see any reason why they wouldn't do that again. I'm sure their uh, their home room road splits will be a little more normal this season. God, but can't, can't uh, be any 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 more weird, yeah. But I, I would just say, yeah, like like fifty fifty one wins right around there in in a normal season, and uh, it's going to make more sense by the end of the year. I, you know, th- they're going to have their limitations in terms of making plays off the bounce, but but Simmons, Embiid, and shooters. It, part of this is so hard because you don't know if Harden's going to be on the team. In a few months. Yeah. Because, by the way, if Harden was on the team the, the whole year, I would say more than 50 or 51 yes. wins. Uh, so this, I, I guess my, my prediction for 45 wins is based on Simmons the whole whole year okay. on the team. If, I, I if Harden will, comes here, it'll be more. 
Yeah. I'll say 47. In part because I think I'm a little bit more optimistic with Simmons on the floor. In part because I think the chance that it's hardened on the floor is greater than zero. So I don't entirely know how to factor that in, but it's factored in a little bit in there. Um, I think they're going to be a good regular season team. Let me ask you one thing on the on the hardened part with that, with them being a good regular season team. Do you think that is overblown the idea of, let's say they are a good regular season team. Do you think that would change the calculus like in the front office? Right, because we've been saying for such a long time, yeah. they want to see what this group looks like. But Simmons but, and Embiid have been so different in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they could be a good regular season team, and that might not ultimately change what it looks like in the playoffs, and it also might not change if they are haggling over how much to give away for Harden. You know, if that price drops down. Yeah. But what what if that happens? What if they get to their acceptable price? But also the Sixers They're are, are well. rolling teams. Yep. I, I'm I mean, fascinated by that. I don't know. I, I would guess not, but it, it wouldn't matter. But you never know. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's a great question because there are, I like, I do have my concerns. Like, I could say 47 wins. That would make them, what, like 47 and 25 and still be like, I don't know if they're getting out of the second round. And it's because there's so many questions in terms of Embiid being at his best in, when would that even be, like June? Be at his best in June about Simmons and the real elite half-court defenses and what they can do to him. And just being a post-up player as your number one late-game late, late game go-to option, it's just like there's so many questions about all of that. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they could do in the regular season that would even fully answer that for me. Yeah, they could be awesome and still face those problems. I mean, it's happened in Milwaukee, you know, with, with different personnel and yep. somewhat similar questions, though, like... And it's, I, think, I mean, it's happened to the Sixers too. Like if Jimmy Butler isn't on that team, like as great as that series was against Toronto, if Jimmy Butler's not on that team, they get smoked. Yeah. Like they, they needed that kind of half court score or they wouldn't have been competitive. So have you ever seen Ben Simmons in the second round? Like both Ben Simmons second rounds have been not good. Bad. Not good. Yeah. The, uh, the Boston offense. series, offense. the Boston series in, I mean, and even his defense, you know, I mean, well, look, it was, he, it was, it was a hey, great defense. Uh, he scored again on you. Yeah. And, 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 well, but it wasn't his like, right. But I mean, Kawhi was in a incredible zone and like Ben and was great. And that's the difference between him and Kawhi, right? Yeah. Kawhi scoring against great defense. Ben's not. Yeah. And, and Ben was incredible in that first round series against um, Miami a couple years ago. But like you do, there's just a, I got to see it against best defenses for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think when you when you say, I, I guess we'll lead this into the playoff conversation. I look at a team like Brooklyn. If they have their shit together by the playoffs and they're healthy, KD looks pretty good. <laughs> I watched that, that preseason game against Boston the other night. I watched him against Washington last week. Kyrie, for, for all of his stuff, his skill set, you know, I don't think he's much of a floor raiser during the season. But in the playoffs, when you need a bucket against a tough defense, like yeah. if he's feeling good, it's it tends to work. So I don't know, man. I I, I do feel like they're going to be a better regular season team. I like what Daryl has done in the uh, in the off season, 
But I'm and I with think you. there will be a better postseason team too. I just don't know if they're good enough. And that's the problem with this. You know, you can have two all NBA players, but at the highest level, like you have to be really, really good and really like have very few weaknesses in a way that just, it doesn't matter as much in the regular season. And to me, if they do not make the move for Harden, to me, there's a ceiling on it. And yeah, like, look, and to be fair, like here's, here's my take. I think they need, I think Joel Embiid needs to be the number two option in the playoffs. You need a perimeter scorer who is a better offensive player than Joel Embiid to really be a title contender. And that doesn't mean that Embiid and Simmons can't work together. Although it would be interesting to see how you would fit Simmons, like what kind of role Simmons would play if you've got Embiid on the court, another high-level perimeter scorer. Like that would be, his shooting would become problematic, or his lack of shooting. But really what it comes down to is, can you get that player while keeping Ben Simmons? And that's a calculus you really need to make. Uh, it is, and, and if you turn down Harden, if it's available, what other options become available in the next couple of years it, it's a it's a lot of questions you need to answer but i think in order for them to be a real legit that team's beating the lakers i think they need i think they need a better half court offensive player than joel Embiid. you, you heard Embiid like one of the few times he's talked in the preseason he got asked about oh you guys are gonna play faster this year right what do you think about that and he was like yeah maybe but and he is he gets this too He's like, man, we got to be better in the half court. He's like, that's what it's all about. And end of the day, slow teams get 78% of their possession in the half court. Fast teams get 72%. Like either way you need to score in the half court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I look at a team like Brooklyn. I look at a team like Miami who, right. They, they, they only have Jimmy, but they, they have really good shooting around him. Like I, I think, you know, Bam is obviously very good, but he would face some of the problems if he was stuck on the Sixers team with Embiid, maybe, or or with Simmons. Um, but I look at those teams, and to me, they just have more places to go, more you know, cleaner offense. I would love to be wrong, and the Sixers found a way to be creative and and figure out maybe they smother teams defensively and just figure out how to make it work with Ben and shooting and may, Hey shit, maybe Ben starts shooting a little more this year and, and there's progress and you see something at the end of the road, you know, maybe it's not this year, but it's in the next couple of years, whether it's moves they make and player development from those two. But like, look, I, I think like coming into the season, I think it's going to be a much better year than last year. It's going to feel a lot better than last year. Yeah. Despite the fact you're not able to go to the games, but it's going to be more enjoyable to watch. But the but the playoffs, like, yeah, I'm thinking second round, and you know it's going to come down to matchups. I have been very surprised. A lot of people are pretty high on this team, like nationally national people. Bontemps, I think, had him making the finals. There, there there are a decent amount of people who expect a lot from this team. I just don't quite see that upside. Hey, maybe they get a good matchup in the second round. And they can make the conference finals. I just think like at some point they're going to be drawing dead with the lack of half court creation that they have. Yeah. So at, at an elite level, I should say. That. Yeah. They got shake. They got, you know, they got these guys, but so my, my prediction, if things stay status quo would be a second round exit. If they trade for Harden, I mean a second round exit and panic. Cause now you're like, well shit, these guys, can they get out of the second round or they trade for Harden? I'll bump them up to a conference finals, 
lose in the conference finals oh, and people be panic, panic too. <laughs> because you go, oh shit, we traded for James Harden because he got two years no. where you know he's going to be on the team and we need to win a championship and there go one of those two years. So end of the day, I'm, I'm predicting panic, which uh, not going to make too much. But I mean, look, they're a good team. Like, Oh no. June is Part of this is we got so burned last year by buying in that like we're probably a little negative. But that is a that is uh, a, I, would, I would. No, that's that's a good note to end on. June is going to be terrible for us. <laughs> Either way, I uh, I will say yeah. If they lose in the conference finals with Harden, that's one thing. If they trade for Harden, they better look like they have a damn chance to make the finals at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they there, there's uh, to me. There's a difference between losing in the conference finals and like getting your ass kicked in the second round of the conference finals. Sure. Um, and we'll see. But, you know, like you said, the good thing have, is, Harden have, is Harden is accustomed to losing close series in the conference finals. So that that's old hat for him. Oh, man, I'm, I'm already stressed out already. Uh, Look, when you get good teams, they become a lot more stressful, a lot more stressful. Process yeah. years can't disappoint you. That was great. Yeah, done by April fifteenth too. You know, <laughs> on the on the theoretical golf course, even though that that wasn't really happening. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's yeah, it's. I think in doing this, it really does kind of underscore how fruitless it is making a prediction just with with such a big variable oh, hang, hang over the season. Which you know, r- regardless if if it's going to happen now or not, like it's just it seems like such a natural thing and. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. That is why you all listen, because we give you really strong predictions like we will see. Anyway, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.